for the text this morning. We're going to find our text in the book of Acts. The book of Acts and chapter 17. We're going to look in in Acts chapter 17. We're going to begin in verse 16 and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. To some, this is a familiar passage and it, it gives us a pattern for some things we want to look at today. So Acts chapter 16, we're going to begin in verse, excuse me, Acts chapter 17, begin in verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, And some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, He seemeth to be a a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, and we would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, Dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. At the time, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent." Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come to the time of preaching and we ask that you would open our hearts and open our minds to receive the truth that you have for us. Give me the grace to speak clearly what you have laid on my heart. And I ask that you would do the work among us that only you can do. And I ask this in the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. So anyone with any kind of sense can look around today at what's going on in the world and 
what's going on in society and see that something is not right. Something's not right. Something is off. For lack of a probably better technical term, this world is messed up. <laughs> Righteously messed up. Every, everything seems upside down, right? Everything. People are unhappy. Um, there's unrest. There's tension. You can feel it. Just go to Costco and try to get the last thing, a toilet paper. People still eye it when you're standing near it. They just to give it this eye. We not might not be out of it, but people are still kind of. I can feel it in their in their attitude. Do should should I grab some to put in the garage with my fifty other packs or not? There's this tension in the air. This is something's off, and you have different groups at each other's throats, and it seems like everybody's looking for some kind of an answer or some kind of a, a solution. They're looking for a deliverer to take all the problems away. Somebody who can right all the wrongs and make everything okay and some people think that might be a president or a political leader or it's the next stimulus check or some new location if i could just get out of here everything is going to be okay people are looking for answers in all different ways aren't they but they're looking for them in all the wrong ways and all the wrong places isn't that an old song looking for love in all the wrong places it's true then it's true now And here we are right in the middle of it all. God's people, His church, saved by grace, doing our best to serve Him with our lives, yet at the same time living our lives in all this chaos. In this world, but not of this world, right? In fact, though as much as we'd like to ignore it, we can't. We're called to go to it. The call of the church is to go to the world. And understand, as we do, we're going to a world that is confused. And I don't mean confused on like they lost their way going home. They're confused about the most very basic issues of life. They're confused about what is right or what is wrong. That cannot be clearly defined anymore. My goodness, they can't even figure out if they're a male or female. Or who should marry who. And the definition of what it is can depend, a change depending on who you talk to. And even though they think they have it figured out, the world is very confused. And there is no absolute truth except my absolute truth, which could differ from your absolute truth and somebody else's absolute truth. We are also going to a world that is hurting Reeling from the effects of the pandemic. Listen, this has been hard. You can think how you want about maybe things, some things that were mishandled or you think everything's great. Whatever you want to say, some people are hurting because of this. They have lost loved ones, maybe even lost jobs. And this has left us all reeling, right? There are people feeling the pain from that, but not just the pandemic. They're feeling pain from broken homes and broken marriages and broken lives ruined by sin. And no amount of self-help therapy, no amount of self-medication, whether it be alcohol or drugs or some flesh-feeding experience, seems to fill the hole of the hurt that's inside them. People are hurting. People are misguided. 
looking to be part of something, to be part of this greater cause. And sometimes fighting for good things, but in the wrong way. Or fighting for flat-out wrong things. All that to say, the world is messed up, and the world needs God desperately. Now here's why I say all of this. First of all, the church is to be an outward-focused entity, are we not? For far too long, the church has been inwardly focused. And it's been more like a social club than a lighthouse. That's not to be so. That's wrong. Yes, we love each other, and yes, we cherish the relationships here, but this is not like some closed-door speakeasy, no. We are to be a lighthouse Spreading the, the light of the gospel of Christ to everyone around us. With open doors that say, come on in, the sinful, broken, hurting ones. We know who can help. The church is to be an outward-focused entity. The first and overarching command of the church is what? Go! Go ye, make disciples. And Jesus made it very clear before He ascended that we are to go. And as we go... We understand, or do we understand, that we bring the answers to the problems of the world. We bring absolute truth to a truthless society. We bring purpose and healing to those who are hurting. We bring a cause for people to be a part of. And that does not happen by blending in. Like when we walk out the doors, I'm going to say the same things. I'm going to look as inconspicuous as possible. Because God forbid, somebody might ask me what I did on Sunday. And I might have to tell them, I went to church. Because I don't want to hear that you did what? Why would you go there? I don't want to hear the ridicule. So I'm going to blend in. Change to the world does not happen that way, beloved. It happens by us being who we are and being so boldly. A lot of this that's in my heart stems from a conversation I had with Brother Winkleman. I think it was last week. That there are so many people changing, even so-called churches just changing to fit the narratives of the day and backing off on the truth of marriage or backing off on the truth of this or salvation or that, whatever it is. To try and to blend in and, and be friends with the world that is confused and messed up. And we don't do that. We don't lift the skirt, the hem of the skirt of the church to try to draw the world, if you understand that statement. No, we proclaim God and His truth. And in this day and age, it would, the best thing we could do is be very clear about who we are and the distinctives that we hold to. And there was three mentioned that have just stuck in my head. God, family, and nation. If you think about it, what we believe and what we hold to uh, fall into some of those three categories. What we believe about God, which is a massive one. What we believe about the family, isn't that important in today's day and age? And what we believe about the nation. Not only this blessed nation, but God has a nation too, doesn't He? And so for the next few weeks, we're going to spend time looking at those. What it is we proclaim to the world. Those principles make up the core of who we are, and the world is looking for those. They're looking for answers to the questions that they have in those categories. Perhaps they've even been hurt in those areas. 
And we have the answers. So what I want to do is look at the text this morning, pull out just a few principles. I'm not going to walk through verse by verse. There's so much here. But I want to use it as an example of what the Lord has laid in my heart. And I want to start off this morning by looking at what we say to the world about God. That's pretty important. Pretty big subject. So let's look here at a few verses. Look at uh, uh, verse 16 in chapter 17 there. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city given over to idolatry. So Paul is in Athens, Greece. And, and listen, Rome was the ruling world power at this time, but Greek had, uh, Greece had ruled before and the Greek culture was still very prevalent. It, it was still very prominent in, in uh, all the Roman world. In fact, the, the main language was not Latin, it was Koinea Greek. It just, it just had this, this hold. So Athens was still a very important place, and Paul's like at the center of everything. He's like in the Washington, D.C. of the old world. Decisions that were made there, or this learning that was made there, would trickle out to the surrounding cities. In fact, look at verse 21. All the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but to tell or to hear some new thing. All they did is sit around and talk or, or make up philosophy or talk about things. Kind of sounds like some of our politicians. What do you do? Just see what absurd thing you could come up with next? You hear it on the news. Where did you get this? What is going on? Kind of the same thing is going on here. All these guys are doing is sitting around and contemplating their navels and calling it philosophy. And Paul's here. What does it say? His spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city holy given to idolatry. Paul is listening, Paul is observing, and it bothers him. It provokes him. And perhaps, beloved, it's time for us to get stirred up a little bit. It's time for some things and some laws and some brokenness, some idolatry, whatever it is in the world... Perhaps it's time we got stirred in our spirit. We weren't so selfish just to go about our day because I can't be bothered. Paul said, hey, there's something wrong. This is wrong. We can look around and see the world totally given over to self to worship the wrong things. I think we are stirred. I hope we are. We ought to be. We ought to be bothered by it. The direction of the nation and the, the fate of the family in this century we live in. The wholesale departure from God and His Word. Oh, I hope that it stirs me. But I also want you to see what Paul did. Verse 17, therefore, he did something. Therefore, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons. And then the market daily with them that met with him and certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics. Therefore means he acted on it. He engaged the culture. He didn't find the nearest church and say, let me tell you what I saw in the marketplace today and go on an hour-long tirade about the sins of the culture. He went to the culture on their ground and engaged them. (laughs) Do we? Or does that scare you to death? Do you have those conversations with the religious people, with the non-religious people? Because 
Sounds like Paul's got a pretty good mix, Jews and other persons and Epicureans and Stoics and anybody who would listen to him. <laughs> He's engaging. Do we do that? Verse 18. They say, they say, what will this babbler say? You're setting forth a strange God because he preached unto them Jesus in the resurrection. You understand this will be new to some. The truth of God's word will be new to some. What are you talking about? What is this babble? The truth of God is strange in today's day and age. When we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. We believe that God has created male and female. We believe a husband and wife ought to be faithful. We believe that we ought to submit ourselves and bow down and worship Creator God and trust in Him for salvation. This thing, these things are now strange in this day and age. It used to be people understood who Jesus was. It used to be that more of society knew about the Gospel. That has changed, beloved. And now He is a strange God to many. Someone died and rose again? It's the same question being asked. But it's the same Gospel we proclaim, isn't it? And by the way, well... It might be strange, but it is what people need, isn't it? And do we back down because we're a little scared of what they might say? Can you imagine if Paul did that? Oh, it sounds strange. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't want to offend you. I just Maybe you should think about it. Jesus is a really cool guy, but if you've got your Zeus and you've got your whatever, you know, go ahead and roll that, but you really should consider mine. So have a nice day, bro. We'll see you. Paul didn't back down. You can call me a babbler, you can call me strange, but you're going to get the gospel. And maybe we ought to have that same mindset. <laughs> I don't care if you think I'm weird because I say godly truth, but you're going to hear it because you need it. Right? That's what this, that's what this world needs. We ought to move forward. Remember that? That's our theme for this year. We ought to move forward fearlessly. Fearlessly with the truth of God. If we're going to have an impact and see people saved, we're going to have to go fearlessly, believing the truth we preach, engaging them with the truth. And I just want you to see just a couple of ways Paul presents it here that we ought to pay close attention to. So look in verse 22. So he stands up on Mars Hill. That's like this big um, um, arena kind of thing. You could still see it. I believe the ruins are still there. You can look it up. I'm sure it was full of all these big brains and normal people and anybody who wanted to hear him. So he stands up there and look what he says. You all are way too superstitious. <laughs> you men think you're religious and you're not. Listen, just, just understand, there's a lot of faith in the world. There's a lot of faith in the world. There's just faith in the wrong things. There's a lot of people that worship stuff. Man has an innate need to worship, so we worship something. Make no mistake about it. We just worship the wrong things, whether it's self, success and money, our own health, or political leaders and social justice and whatever else it may be. The world is very religious. They're just wrongly religious. Does that make sense? And this altar inscription that he says in verse 23, for I pass by... And saw you have an altar 
that says, to the unknown God. They're just trying to cover all the bases. To the, the God we don't know, to the God who is unknowable. Just in case we missed it, we're going to put an altar up. <laughs> and Paul comes right along and says, you know that unknowable God or the God that you don't recognize? Hey, I know him. He is God, and I'm going to declare him to you. It's not just a, a name to throw out at prayer time when you need something or to bless the food or to use as a curse word. No, Paul says, He is God. In fact, look in verse uh, 24. God that made the world and all things therein. <laughs> he just starts right out of the gate declaring who God is. Is that not who we declare today? We declare God and His person and His purpose and His love and His care because we know Him too, don't we? We know Him, though the world may not know Him or maybe give Him some small bit of recognition or even reject Him. We declare God because we know Him and His truth. And he starts with a very interesting thing. Verse 24, God made the world and all things seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth. I love that phrase. He is Lord of heaven and earth. And He dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, seeing He giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. He starts right out of the gate with the very simple fact of creation. There's no long apologetics here. There's not trying to prove the existence of God. He just goes right at it with a statement of fact. God is the creator and He made it all. Maybe we ought to be bold like that. God made it all with the word of His mouth. He brought everything from nothing. We did not make up God. We are God made. We are God made and we are to worship Him. He is the Creator who, who is to be worshipped. The Lord of heaven and of earth. Boom, right out of the gate, He states the truth of the great I Am, that He is and He is God. And when we go to this world, that's message number one. Yes, God is real and He is, in fact, God. He is not something that we dictate to or that we make up. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. The one who gives us life and breath and all things. Everything you see is made by Him. All that you have is given by Him. All things go according to His will because He is God and we are His creation. Every one of us. I believe that's important. Every one of us is a creation of God. He says He has made of one blood all nations for men to dwell on the earth. We may take this truth for granted. Oh, praise the Lord, that just turned on. Whew. It's about to melt up here. <laughs> we may take this truth for granted, but we need to know the importance. I want you to understand the importance of this. I believe that each human being is a precious, treasured creation of God. Psalm 139 says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every human being. You know how many questions that answers right there? Is abortion okay? There's an answer. That's a creation of God. Precious 
treasured, handmade creation of God. Racism? There's the answer. Though the color of our skin might be different, we are both the same precious, treasured creation of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. That one of a different religion, though he may disagree with me, that one of a different culture, that one of a different walk of life, though we may not agree, we may be worlds apart, in the end, we are both the precious, treasured creation of God. Do you see what kind of peace that brings to the world when you start there? We are all made in the image of God. And there are so many around you that are looking for self-worth. They're looking for it in a cause or they're longing to feel loved and needed. Depression and suicide is on the rise. The world needs to hear that they are loved and they have a great value placed on them by their Creator who has made them in His own image. And we know this because He told us so in His Word. We bring the absolute truth of God's Word to the world The Word that tells us what is right and wrong. The Word that tells us the truth on the very basic issues like gender and marriage. The Lord of heaven and earth has spoken to us clearly through His Word. Let's move toward to close. Verse 27. Paul says that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. You see, this Lord of heaven and earth, the God of all creation, is not a God that's far off or unknowable. No. He is one that is near to us. One that can be found. One that has revealed Himself so that we can know Him. He's revealed Himself in creation. You can look around and see the the beauty of, of God's handiwork. But He has revealed Himself fully right here. He tells us who He is. He tells us what we need to know. He tells us how much He loves us. God God has not left His creation to run itself off a cliff, but He is near to us waiting for us to reach out to Him. Oh, beloved, that's love. That's love. In fact, hasn't He reached out to us first? The Lord of heaven and earth, who spoke everything. The Lord of heaven and earth, by the way, who we have offended with our sins. Us people made of dirt, though fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) Us people who are made of dirt speak back to the God of heaven. We think we could tell Him what to do. We say, no, we don't want you. No, we're not going to believe in you. Do you understand how utterly insane that is? But the God of heaven and earth, when we do that, loves us so much He reaches down to us to save us because we need it. In fact, in verse 30 it says, He commands every man everywhere to repent. That just means we turn from one thing to another. To turn from our idolatry, to turn from our worship of other things, to turn from rejection of His truth, to turn from sin, and to turn to Him. Go to Romans chapter 3 if you would. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. Can you look down your nose at somebody else? No. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter what you've done or where you find yourself today. Are we better than they? No, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are what? All under sin. As it is written, there's none righteous. No, not one. That person you might be thinking about, well, what about great-grandma so-and-so? Nope, not righteous. What about my wife? What about my husband? What about my kids? Nope, not righteous. Not one. There's none that understands. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. We've all departed. In fact, fast forward to verse 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's us as His creation. We have sinned against the Lord of heaven and earth. Whether it's by not doing the things that we know we should or doing the things that we know we shouldn't. Both are just as bad. You may say, well, I don't murder, but do you covet? Well, I don't commit adultery, but do you lie? Do you use the Lord's name in vain? In some way, shape, or form, both you and I have broken the law of God. And as we'll see in a moment in the book of Acts, it brings judgment. Let me read you a verse out of 1 John. You don't have to turn there, but a verse out of 1 John that makes it clear for us. 1 John 3 and 4 says this, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. How do we sin? It's when we break the law. And all of us has done it. So we all have sinned against the glory of God, but I want you to notice there in your Bibles, verse 24, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, God's grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, the mercy seat covering, to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Do you see that? Yes, we have all sinned, but we can be justified freely. That means declared not guilty. We can be justified freely by the grace of God through who? Christ Jesus. You see, it's Jesus who has come to give His life and to shed His blood as the atonement for sins that we can be saved, we can be justified. And verse 25 says, God set Him forth. I don't know if that hit home with you, but it does with me. I've wronged God. I've sinned against Him. And He has every right to squash me like a bug. But what does He do? He puts forth the way that I can be saved and reconciled. That's the love of God. God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish and shall have eternal life. God has provided the way that we can be saved and it is by faith in Christ, meaning I believe that Jesus came 
He lived a perfect life and He gave that life on the cross of Calvary in my place. He died to take away my sins. He bore the wrath and judgment of God for me so that He can forgive my sins and give me eternal life. If we would simply believe. We are fallen in sin, but we can be forgiven. We can find mercy and justification by faith in Christ. All of it given to us by God whom we have wronged. That is a God who is near to us, waiting for us to reach out. Go to back to chapter Acts and we'll, uh, Acts chapter 17 and we'll be finished. This is what Paul is talking about when he says uh, in verse uh, 31, He has appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained. That man is Jesus. And there's coming a day of judgment. We are told about it in the book of Revelation where we will stand before God and answer for all that we have done. And there will be a book opened called the Book of Life. And the way our names are recorded there is by believing in Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. There won't be a defense given for how good we were. We just saw that we're not. It won't be about how much money we paid or how many times we went to church. None of that. It is only if we have believed in the one whom God has set forth to be the propitiation, the sacrifice that God has given Jesus Christ, His Son. And I simply ask this morning, have you believed in Jesus as your Savior? Have you placed your faith in Him? Have you cried out to Him and asked Him to forgive you and to give you eternal life and to take away your sins? Oh, I pray that you have. Because there's coming a day that we will stand before Him in judgment. And I know on that day there is one thing I will be able to say with all confidence. I have believed. I am saved because Jesus saved me. I was a young boy when I believed, but I remember that day. Let's finish with this. That's what, the, that's what the world needs to hear. That the God, the Creator God whom we have wronged has sent salvation to us. There, there's a lot of other things that we can tell them about living righteously and, and following what Jesus said. And we'll get to that in, in a week or so. I'm worried that they often hear how sinful they are and not how much God loves them. Yes, they need to hear that there are some wrong anti-law, anti-God laws out there. That they need to hear the sin of the transgender and LGBTQ explosion. And by the way, be careful about picking out your pet sins when lying is just as bad. Let me just say that too. They need to hear the wrongness of these things. But do they also hear and feel the love of God for them? Let them hear that God is real and that He loves them and He has provided the way that they can be saved. And then let them hear it and feel it in us. You know what the world expects uh, Christians to be nowadays? They expect us to stand back and say our little sayings and throw out the one-liners from, our, from the safety of our pulpits. And never actually get involved in their lives to help. 
But what did Paul do? He engaged. He said, hey, let me tell you about God, and let me tell you about the Savior. I pray that the Lord would stir our hearts a bit in this to, to, to love the people who are around us that God came to save, to engage the culture that is there, to tell them how precious they are and how loved they are and that God is waiting for them to reach out so that He can save them. After all, isn't that the call that God has given us? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Will we do it? We don't have time, but we see there in the end of the passage, some people mock. You know that. Some people will mock. You probably have felt that. They'll brush it off and say, oh, that's fine for you, and look down at you and make fun of you. Okay. But not everyone will. Some will say, you know what? I want to hear about this again. And I've heard many a testimony to where the seeds were planted and the doors were opened. And God took them down that road and later led to their conversion. And some, some beloved, will believe. Like those people in the end of verse 34. They heard, they believed, and they clung to the truth. There are those who are around us who are just waiting for the gospel, broken in sin and looking for the answers. Do we go to them? knowing that God loves them and can save them. I believe we're facing one of the greatest opportunities we have ever faced in our lifetime. The fields around us are white unto harvest, as Jesus says. They're primed to hear the gospel. If we would go to them and be bold and tell them what they need to hear, if we would stop being so self-consumed and hard-hearted Stop trying to blend in and be noticeable if we would stand boldly as Paul did here and proclaim the truth about God. That the Lord of heaven and earth loves them and He has the answers they are looking for. But we have to go. Will you? Will I? Let's pray. Father, I ask that you take these words, the example that has been given to us, you would lay them upon our heart that we would go to the world around us, engage the culture with the truth of who you are and your love and the truth of your word, Lord. That we would be bold in it, at the same time having a heart of love, a heart of a compassion for those around us who do not know you. Help me first, Lord, to do that. That I might have a tender heart for those around me. I thank you for all that you've done. I ask that you move among us as only you can do the work that only you can do. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.